Welcome to the Leadership Expose podcast. This podcast is for leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to transform their leadership, to level up their business, and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business topics, trends, innovation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we chat with a leader who has had a corporate leadership career and now focused on building and acquiring companies amongst other business ventures. We welcome Sam Turner. He's the CEO of Advance HVAC Group Limited and has other senior roles in other firms. Sam has previously held executive level positions with global firms, and he has not only transformed sales organizations, but also integrated organizations commercially. We will hear about Sam's journey and his focus on building a group of small, medium businesses, the acquisitions of businesses, and learn about how he goes about doing this and bringing highlights of his vision to create a platform for SMEs to flourish. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing today? Thank you, Stephen. Great, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, doing great. Yeah, just uh, discussing that earlier. Enjoying the, the brilliant sunshine that is the UK weather at the moment. So all good. Yes. And thanks. Thanks again for having me. Excited to, to, to be on. Wonderful, Sam. Yes, we were actually chatting about the weather. It's uh, currently about, well, it's it's going to be over 33 degrees where I am yes. at. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is, uh, which is not what the UK is built for in terms of infrastructure and everything else. So we uh, it whilst in many cases that's kind of in you know, many countries that's normal here in the UK it becomes a becomes a challenge <laughs> yeah yeah no ab- ab- absolutely so uh, we're going to keep the the fans running the air conditioning running wherever we are where if we can do that uh, but no wonderful um Sam tell us where you where you're based I know you're based in the UK but uh tell us just a little bit about where you're based yeah so I'm based uh about 45 minutes north of uh, north of London um in a small town near I guess the, the biggest town is uh, it's Bedford if people know that in Bedfordshire so not far from there but I've, I've just been I've only been back in the UK for about 11 months having spent 15 years uh, in in different countries, uh, in Spain, uh, a little bit in in Singapore, and uh, the last four years in in Switzerland. So, um, good to be back, and uh, yeah, enjoying enjoying life now back in the UK. Well, welcome back, and uh, glad to hear that you're integrating back into uh, into the UK. So, just building on that, tell us uh, more about your 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 journey. Where did it all begin, from a personal perspective, and the intersection with how you came into the professional world yeah sure so <clears throat> I, uh, I when i left school um i actually uh, i sort of go all the way back there because i mean this is a defining moment for me i i actually wanted to play professional football um and i did i did that for um for full time for two and a half years when i left school i played for my hometown club which was uh club called Luton Town for those in the UK that would uh, would know that yeah. um so that was that was great uh unfortunately I didn't progress from from there so at 19 I kind of dropped out and played uh, semi-professional but what um, what that did do is it kind of taught me a number of lessons I think um one of those lessons was about winning and I had this kind of determination to and drive to kind of always win. And then when I came out of the game and I had lots of my friends, if you like, still playing and going on to do good things in the sport, that really kind of drove me to try to be successful at something, I think. So that was in my early part of my career. I had this drive 
where I would work harder than everyone else, and that was my that was my win. Not that I was more capable um, in order to sort of progress through my 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 early career. And from there, I I, I actually, without going into the details, fell into kind of corporate life and into finance and in corporate life. I spent most of my career in TUI, uh, which for those that know is the largest um, travel organization in in, uh, in Europe or holiday uh, organization in Europe. Um, it wasn't TUI at the time, but it's now known as now known as TUI. And I did various roles uh, there in, in finance. I qualified as an accountant whilst I was there. Um, and, and culminating in sort of fairly senior roles as the finance director of, of the airline at the time, as other roles, um, and a, a number of different uh, roles within the, the, the group. Um, and about 15 years ago, so I was there for about uh, eight years, something like that. And then about 15 years ago, I got the opportunity to move to a division that was headquartered in Spain as the CFO for uh, one of the businesses within that uh, within that division, and it was a growing business. It was an international um, or, or soon to be global business. Um, and we were a wholesaler of accommodation. So if you ever go to book a holiday or accommodation somewhere anywhere in the world, whoever you book with, they normally don't have the direct relationship with the hotel. It's normally booked through, let's say, an aggregator. And we were that. Uh, we were the largest aggregator. When I when I moved there. We were about 750 million in uh, in revenue, and I remember we grew that. It was an exciting time, rapid growth. Uh, we were averaging sort of 30 percent plus growth for five or six years consecutively. We always we were part of a UK listed PLC at the time. Myself and the MD used to enjoy going to the, the annual uh, budget reviews and five year plan reviews because we were always over delivering, upgrading the the numbers. It was a really nice time. Uh, and a great learning point for me in terms of uh, how to grow uh, internationally. And, and actually, that was a large part of the growth was international expansion um, through Latin America, through Asia. And a big part uh, was was Asia in that in that time. We grew a very small business to now or then what it what it became, which was a, a sizable part of the, um, the business. Um, so we grew that from about 750 to about three billion uh, in, in sales over that kind of six year period or so. And um, during that time, I realized that I was less interested in the technical side of finance and more interested in the general management uh, of the organization. I was also responsible for things like strategy, things like uh, business intelligence or data. Um, so it wasn't like a core, just uh, technical finance role. Um, but I agreed with the MD at the time to, to shift into and learn something, uh, a different function. So he gave me the sales function uh, to, look, to look after. So I flipped from being the CFO into being effectively the, uh, the sales director globally, uh, which was a really interesting um, time and a really interesting learning curve for me. Uh, we, we dealt with we had thousands of customers, um, some very small, some very large. You think of any travel provider, from a small travel agent to a large online travel player, they were our customers. Um, so dealing with all of, all of those relationships through a, a fairly large team uh, globally was, was super interesting. And then we were then uh, sold by TUI to private equity. Um, 
it was a 50-50 joint venture between Sinvin, which is a large UK um, buyout firm, and the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board, which is a sort of a, a more long-term uh, player, uh, obviously based in, in, in Canada, but has a presence um, globally. And we were sold, by the value was about 1.3, 1.4 billion uh, euros that we were sold for. And we quickly went then to acquire our two largest competitors. Um, and really, they were kind of three global players, really. So we basically then sort to integrate and merge three businesses together at the same time. And to give you some scale, we went then from three, a three billion revenue company to a six billion um, revenue uh, company with those two acquisitions. And they were done effectively at the same time. So. Um, that process of integrating was quite painful. Um, I was responsible for pretty much all of the commercial functions. We had um, both, both on the sales side, but also on the buying side, which was having all the relationships with the hoteliers globally. And we had close to 2,000 people in, 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 in my teams uh, across the world, based in probably about 80 countries uh, across the world. So very sort of global role. Um, but we spent two years integrating these businesses together, which was, as you can imagine, quite, quite a painful task. We had to integrate not only the teams, but the, the systems, and it was a very technology-driven uh, business. So the systems aside was, was quite complex. Um, we shared a lot of the same customers and a lot of the same uh, suppliers. So again, integrating the, the contracts between having three contracts to, to one contract. Um, a very very painful time and i think i think yeah, it was through that time that i decided that actually i didn't want to spend the rest of my career in a sort of corporate setting and i think the reasons for that were um, three three sort of main reasons one at the time we were acquired by private equity and then we went to to to, to do effectively um like a buy and build effectively in this in this space we were supported by uh, McKinsey consultants for effectively two years solidly. Um, but the politics during that time just became really difficult to, to, to manage. And, and for me, I'm not somebody who enjoys that, that at all. Um, and, I, and I don't like to kind of have to play the game, if you like. And I like to be kind of transparent and honest and open. And sometimes maybe that went against me. Um, but I, I, I really didn't enjoy that. The pressure was quite intense because maybe the performance wasn't quite as where we wanted it to be in terms of integrating those businesses. Um, I was on a plane every week, pretty much. And uh, I had two I have two young children and it got to the point where literally every Sunday night I was I was leaving, coming home on a sort of Thursday evening. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I really not regret because I had some great experiences, but you know, enough was enough from that perspective. And the third point was I was responsible for all of these teams and the commercial performance, but the way the, the leadership then was, was working is I had very little, um, let's say, say or um, decision-making capability over, over the major decisions. And therefore, you know, having all of the accountability, but none of the autonomy for me, mm -hmm just became quite stressful. I think that's an important lesson. You've got to kind of balance those two things. You can't have one out of kilter with the other. And, and for those three reasons, I decided I didn't want to continue in that uh, in that setting. And I, I therefore 
Um, spent a long time thinking about what it is I wanted to do. I managed to agree a great, um, uh, let's say, exit with uh, with my employer, which was very amicable, just at the time, just pre-pandemic, actually. And then the pandemic happened, and you can imagine that a travel business, um, you know, we went from considerably profitable business to, you know, almost running out of cash in the space of eight weeks. Um, so it was a very... Uh, turbulent time thankfully the business is doing well again now um but it just became clear at that point that i was due to leave in a couple of months i think in july anyway and we accelerated that a couple of months because of that you know everything was changing and it just made sense for me to, to go at that point so yeah so i spent a lot of time thinking about what it is i wanted to do what i was good at where i wanted to spend my time what my purpose and my yeah, my purpose in life, I think. I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of reflection. And uh, and then I came up with the the the, the idea and, and, and then researched the idea, spent a lot of time training around that, around um, building a, a platform, building a group of companies where I could help small business uh, prosper as being part of that platform um, as opposed to trying to fight independently as a, as a small business. So that's what I'm doing, um, and that's that's the reason why. And it's um, tick, ticks lots of my boxes around, you know, having a bit more flexibility, being in control, being able to develop people, um, creating a collaborative framework. Collaboration is, is a key value of mine, and you know, that's 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 my dream to see these businesses collaborating together. It's not that I'm going to merge them. Having done that several times in my corporate career, um, that's not the intention. It's how do we get some collaborative benefits from these complementary businesses as part of this uh, as part of this group so that's that's what i'm doing i'm you know and i'm you know uh, we, we acquired the first business um back in early december and we've now acquired three businesses so we have three businesses uh we we're doing about let's say 15 million pounds in, in revenue uh, and about 1.4 million pounds in uh, in EBITDA. So that's kind of where we are at the moment. But the plan is to significantly scale that over the over the next uh, three or four years. Amazing, Sam. So basically, from high school pro football to corporate life in finance to sales to mergers and acquisitions to a pivotal moment to basically start your own yes vision yes of yes. bringing smes together and you touched on a few elements you've you've had a wonderful journey i would i mean looking at your career just listening there must have been lots of lessons that you have actually learned through those different twists and turns within the corporate corporate, corporate world but also through your childhood moments to where you were at and we'll come to that but that that appears to be a platform for you to use those lessons and leverage that to what you're doing now. So tell us a little bit more about this vision that you've got and how you're actually doing it. You did touch on, on it briefly, but keen to hear a little bit more about it. Yes. So, um, so I, I explored different options and I really went through a process. And I, I, I'm fortunate in that I had time. So I had time, let's say, garden leave where... You know, I, I, we were living in Switzerland at the time. We couldn't travel anywhere else because of the pandemic. So I had a lot of time to um, to reflect, read, research. Um, 
which I I appreciate most people don't have that time because most people are in a, in a sort of corporate context there as I was kind of running the you know on on the in the rat race so to speak and you just don't get the time to stand back and think and when I whenever people ask me for advice and I still have a lot of ex colleagues and and team members that I keep in contact with and they always ask me for some advice around you know what they should do career wise and I always ask them the question um you know what, what is it that you want. What, what do you really want? And most people can't answer that question, which is, it sounds like an obvious question to, to answer, but actually, and I couldn't answer it probably two years ago either. What, what is it that you really want? And, and if that's the case, you know, what, why do you want that? What do you need to do if really that's what you want? But taking the time to think about that and why um, really sort of enabled me to piece together what was the best thing for me. So coming back to, to, to your question and, on this uh, on this vision, so I enjoy um, I enjoy spending time developing people. Um, I enjoy spending time with small business. I did that a lot with um, my sales role, where I was, you know, helping and supporting small businesses grow effectively, and I really really enjoyed that. And I think I can bring some um, some expertise, if you like, to helping to scale those businesses that maybe they don't have that professional capacity. At the levels we're talking about so I, re I really enjoy uh, that i enjoy the finding um how how businesses and how people can collaborate together so that was another kind of key 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 essence or key um facet to the the vision in terms of what we're trying to create on, on this group but i also enjoy and i think i'm good at the balance between um dealing with the let's say the corporate side and in, in my world now in, or in my previous world in my sales and commercial roles i had the kind of to do with the you know obviously the in the boardroom being accountable for the performance and dealing with the the private equity guys and, and whatever which is fine and with my finance background etc i can talk the language i understand what the, uh, the, the the kind of key kpis are and all of that kind of stuff but I'm equally happy talking to the guy on the on the shop floor, so to speak, if that if that makes sense. And I I enjoy that, and I I really value sort of being able to go between those two things. And and this vision for me about building a group really plays to that strength because you have to spend a lot of time on the finance side. So we we operate with uh, with lenders, and so we're using external debts. So you have to be able to know your numbers inside out and all of the stuff that comes with that. I've I've raised some money from the investors, so I've had to sort of communicate the vision and, and, and do the pitch decks and manage those stakeholders, which are clearly a completely different set of stakeholders than talking to small business owners about the possibility of acquiring their business. And I think having that ability to to really operate and enjoy that was a key thing for me. So this is, these are all the things that I wanted to kind of spend my time doing. Uh, and that's why I sort of created all, over time, or the vision for me would be um, to create a group of companies. We say 10 plus, 10 plus companies, uh, all in the, in, in my case, the HVAC, which is heating, ventilation and air conditioning, which is the kind of sector name. And, and any kind of trades or services that or products that are complementary to that. So it doesn't have to fit exactly within that, but if they're somehow complementary, that can be included. 
Each of the businesses will have probably a slightly different value proposition. It's not we're buying exactly the same company in 10 different locations with then the ability to take the back office and centralize that, et cetera. No, we want to run these as fairly independent businesses, but on a collaborative framework. So each of the, the business owners or the MDs after they've, they've sold the business will be able to collaborate together to find wins that support both their, 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 their or both businesses, so to speak. So, so we're looking for that. We're looking for collaboration, I would say, in, in a few areas. The things like being able to cross-sell to each other's customer base. So I might provide a slightly different service, but your customer also needs the service that I provide. So let's have the, have the relationship there. That's a big opportunity. Um, having buying power opportunities if we use the same suppliers, for example, is another um, obvi obvious one. I think having expertise that run that can run across the group is is a great example of a complementary benefit. So, for example, <clears throat> it might be that one company is a has a specific expertise in the latest technology for efficient um, heat pump technology, which will replace gas boilers, for example, here in the in the UK. Well, if we can leverage that expertise across the group and actually all the engineers are trained on that technology, et cetera, that's, that's another complementary benefit. So it's looking for those complementary benefits. And then there's a group layer that can provide uh, expertise around strategy, strategic skills, financial skills, maybe things like online skills if we want to grow the consumer business. And these businesses don't do well with websites and driving traffic and all those sorts of things. So if we wanted to grow in the consumer side of the business, offering services, that's something that maybe we could leverage from a, from a group perspective. So you've got the complementary elements, uh, the group um, components and to the layer on top. And that's where each of these businesses, my vision is that we we're able to in three or four years see that these groups have enhanced their, their, their business, have enhanced their margins ultimately as a result of collaborating with each other. We have a collaborative framework. People are enjoying being part of the group. We're able to develop people within that group context. Um, and that's my vision. Clearly, you know, we also have some fairly, fairly big ambitions from a financial perspective as well. Um, and I'll, you know, want to, to deliver the results for for investors and, and also for um, for myself. And at some point, there may be an exit, although I don't have a particular strategy um, at the moment. And I would say, and the last last point on, on, on this, I would say the wealth, if you like, creation opportunity that does exist through, through doing something like this. And we can talk maybe a little bit about how you create value in that context mm -hmm. and why it's so interesting. But for me, that value creation is about how I can create enough value to pursue the vision that I have for my for my life and my purpose for my life, which is about helping other people. Yeah. So I have a very clear target in, in creating wealth in order to, to, to put that wealth to use in certain places. So it's not for me to sit on a yacht in the, in the, in the Caribbean, um, although a holiday or two might be nice, but it's actually to, to, to actually do something and, and, and really give back. And I have very clear plans around that as well. Yeah, and, and I was going to touch on that one. So there is definitely an end goal here, and it's very much aligned with your purpose, which you've highlighted. Yeah, yeah. So just taking a step back here a little bit, and we'll come back to the, to the, to the purpose. Um, the concept of bringing these companies together is, is amazing. You know, you've mentioned about 
collaboration. And you've mentioned about, you know, the complementary or the enabling elements, but also those uh, group elements as well from a uh, from a strategy, finance and so forth. And you also mentioned about 10 companies. Um, is that just a number that you've come up with? Or are you planning to grow to a larger number? It's more like an and after 10, num after 10, what, what then? Yes, I mean, it's a great question. In reality, um, the 10 is driven by a modeling exercise that says, how do we get to these sorts of numbers? So I have a number of different scenarios um, and it's an average revenue times, you know, times the number of businesses that could look different. So you could end up buying much bigger businesses and have slightly fewer. Um, it's a proxy for the size of businesses that we think we will have now or that we think that we'll buy. And right now the average is 5 million of revenue, for example. So if you took that, um, and 10 businesses would give you sort of 50 million uh, of acquired revenue. And obviously you'd want some organic growth and some growth in there. So we have, let's say a target that we've shared with investors of, of getting to kind of 60 million in, in, uh, in revenue. Um, in an ideal world, I have a, a vision maybe to get to, to 100, um, but I don't, I, you know, I'm not promising that to to anyone. And clearly, you know, we're all realists as well, right? So you learn as you go and, and you adapt. You'll have to adapt, I guess, the, the approach as you go. Yeah. Somebody asked me yesterday, because I'm recruiting at the moment for CFO, um, and, and I was interviewing yesterday and he said, well, you know, are you going to focus more on bringing more acquisitions in or, or focusing on the growth opportunities within the ones that you've got? And it's it's the, it's the million dollar question because actually there is a lot of opportunity to grow these businesses. If you look at the, the, the maybe the way or the opportunity or the gaps in, in if you like, the way they've been managed over time without being um, disrespectful uh, and therefore the opportunities that if we really sort of focused on certain areas, we could really grow here. But that would take time and effort to do. And obviously then bringing other companies in takes time and effort to to do. So there is that quite question mark in terms of what, you know, what and how do you do that at what pace? Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll adapt as we go, but that's kind of gives you a flavor. I think the other either important factor here, and maybe it's an interesting one for um, for listeners to, to sort of understand the concept of, of this, because it's a key it's a key sort of from an M&A perspective, it's a key one is, is the multiple, uh, what we call the multiple arbitrage between you know, the difference between buying and selling. So if you, if you buy a company at, let's say for argument's sake, five times profits, and you're able to sell that at seven, um, you've got that sort of multiple arbitrage of two. Now, Obviously, that sounds a bit like, well, how do you buy at five and, and, and sell at seven, right? So, but the beauty of actually building a group is the, the, typically the multiples increase as the revenue, as the, as, the, as the business grows. And the reason it does that is because it's less risky. Typically, uh, less risk means a higher price and less risk uh, comes from having more diversification, um, more numbers. You know, you're not ever then um, dependent on one customer or one person, et cetera, the bigger you become. Okay. So that's, that's a key, that's a key, probably the biggest driver of, of, of value. So if you were to put on the same example, you were to buy five companies at five times, those companies will all be worth probably seven mm -hmm. without doing anything. 
you know, that that's the beauty of of the play as well because it allows us to benefit from a, a multiple arbitrage to create value. Now it's not hundred percent about that. Obviously, we want to grow and make sure the businesses can prosper on that platform. But naturally, there is a value creation that happens through just being bigger as a group. Yeah. And Sam, if very, very, very interesting. Thank you. So, if I if I was a company or a uh, or a business owner of one of these companies that wants to be part of your group, how would a conversation between you and I sound like just initially? Yeah, it it depends because what we do, what we do is we reach out to to companies that are both on the market. So some companies will be wanting to exit, wanting to sell. And in the profile of the companies we're looking at, we do tend to have a lot of um, people at kind of retirement age that have built the company and maybe now it's the time to, uh, to to move on. So you have a lot of those businesses that may be on the market and that's maybe a slightly different conversation. And then we also reach out to companies that maybe are not on the market, but maybe um, the response rates from from those conversations maybe is not as high but there's still some good concept one of the one of one of the deals that we just closed was from somebody who wasn't on the market and actually we contacted and 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 explored uh, and then he became interested and we we had the dialogue but the 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 typical dialogue for somebody who's on the on, on the market they're looking to exit will be us um, or me basically explaining what we're trying to do in the business. Very, very important for these business owners. If you think about it, they, they've probably founded the business. They've grown it from, from nothing. It's probably got maybe 30 or 40 people now in the, in this business. Um, probably people that have been there for many years. Uh, their name is important to, to them. So what, what we do, it, we're very clear is look, what, what, our vision is is not to destroy any of that. And actually it's to build on that legacy. We want to retain the name, the brand. We want to retain the management in the business, the key people, the key relationships. We want you on side to be supporting in a sort of transitionary way. And some, some business owners want to just take some chips off the table and want to continue to manage the business. They enjoy it, but maybe without the, the stress of ownership, um, so that's one acquisition that we've got. The, the MD is the former owner uh, and he's continuing to manage the business. So that's great because that gives us a, a management solution from day one, because I would say that's probably the biggest risk that there's a dependency on that um, business owner. They leave and then, and then you know, that that's, that's can be a, a challenge. So there always has to be a management situ- uh, solution. So, um, but that's the conversation. It's about us explaining what we do uh explaining the benefits of what we do and you know that that's the kind of first piece and that if, if they're not clear on that and I, I would say for us it's quite good because it's quite a good sell almost yeah. not that we're selling something we're not delivering but for them it's like okay you're not going to destroy my name you're not going to uh, basically rip out uh stuff you're not going to use your own resources over here for this and therefore you don't need these people so that's a, that's a big win and then you know, we won't talk about value probably straight away. Um, we'll talk about that. So once we've established a little bit of rapport, a little bit of trust, and then and then we'll have a conversation about what we think the the business is is worth. And I think there's, um, you know, there are some unrealistic expectations there, but 
if you speak to enough business owners, you can provide enough evidence to say, look, this is broadly where the market's at. Now, I've spoken to 120, I know because I, I track the numbers, 120 businesses in the last uh, six months. Um, and and therefore, I know roughly where the kind of market is at and, and, and value is at. And some people still say, no, I want this for my business. That's fine. That's great. And uh, let's keep in touch if you, if you want to uh, reach out to me in, in six months or you want any help at all, then then let me know. But you kind of you, you can't waste time on uh, where those unrealistic expectations exist. So what we want to do is pay you know the market's price for that, structured in a, a reasonable way. Um, reasonable means you know there's it's some de-risking from our side. We will always want to defer some of the consideration, which is standard in the industry um, but striking that balance of, of what what the seller wants and what they're trying to achieve and uh, and what makes sense for us yeah no thank you thank you sam sam let's talk a little bit about, about your leadership here you're you're a leader in your own right tell us a little bit more about your leadership and some of the personal life lessons which you did touch upon earlier on yep. but how that has actually transformed the way you're leading now um, at a very high strategic level yeah. and also tie that into your purpose as well, end goal. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it's a great question. I mean, uh, I believe uh, quite strongly in certain things that are important for, for, for leaders to, to do. Um, and, and leadership clearly isn't about a, a position. It's about um, how you how you demonstrate certain certain things and take ownership for certain things. It's not just all about the, the way you sit in the hierarchy. But I think what's important for for, for leaders, and, and I don't see this enough in um, in business, and I categorise them as sort of six Cs. Uh, I think it's five or six Cs. And, and um, the first is clarity. Yeah, so actually having clarity in your own mind about what you're trying to achieve is first and foremost, if you don't have that very difficult to create that, but then creating that vision uh, and being also clear about expectations. So having that clarity, I think is uh, is really important. Kind of linked to that, to be compelling with it. So if you don't believe in something, um, you don't, can't expect people to kind of want to jump on the bus and follow you. So, you know, and that's got to be authentic, right? So you've got to find, find and like for me now, it's 100% authentic around what I really truly believe is is possible and what what will be great for everyone on board. So I'm really sort of passionate about that, but being compelling, communicating as well. I see, I don't think you can communicate enough. And I, I think leaders um, fall short most of the time in, in communicating. They think, well, I've, I've communicated what we're trying to do once, you know, and, and there's some research around this that says, you know, you have to tell people seven times before they actually get it. You know, I think there's clearly some truth in that. So being um, over communicating and, and, and linked to that, the consistency with that. If you start jumping around the one minute we're doing this, the next minute we're doing that, it, you just lose the trust of, I think, of people. So that compelling consistent message, uh, I, I think, is there. But the other side of it is is the is the caring, and I think this is a key um, ingredient in, in in great leadership. And is it is a, it's a great question around you know are leaders born or can, can it be taught? And, and and I would sit on the fence and say it was probably a bit of both because I think 
having a deep sort of care for individuals within your organization and your team, I think makes you a much better leader. Um, but not everyone is born that way, if that makes sense. No, you can you can sort of teach some of that stuff if you like, but you know, you've got for me it's about really demonstrating that you're you've got empathy with you with your people and actually you're caring about them and you actually you, you talk to them, you understand what's going on in their in, in their lives. And I think that's super important to keep that um relationship at that at that level. So that caring aspect for me is is um is the is the fifth. And the last one isn't isn't a C, but I always call it the, the six C's, which is accountability. So it's the accountability. So not quite a C. But the accountability is um is important. So it's all those other things you say, well that, that's all kind of nice and could be argued maybe some fluffy stuff. But I think the accountability, which is holding yourself to be accountable for, for things and, and taking responsibility for things, but also holding your people to account is also important. But that that is far easier to do once you've provided the clarity and actually what's expected of people. So having the difficult conversations when things are not going right and being honest and candid with people, I think, is, is important. So for me, that's kind of they're the kind of key components if you like of, of how i would look at uh, leadership and what's important to me and where i would try to focus um like i say in terms of um linked to my sort of vision and, and what we're doing it sort of comes through so having this compelling uh, vision and trying to create clarity in everyone's mind about the journey ahead it's quite difficult when when you're dealing you know, with each of the operating businesses and you're sat going through some operational issues, it becomes very in the weeds and very difficult. And there's some issues and it's all seems like a, you know, it's a big drama because of something. And I think for that, especially that MD and the leadership team there to really pull them up sometimes and say, look, we've got to deal with these issues, but in the context of where we're going here, what, what makes sense in the context of where we're going here? So having that, you know, um, being able to sort of point back to what are we trying to achieve here and, and what, why is what we're doing important in the context of, of that. Um, so for me, I, I kind of try and display those things in constantly trying to create that clarity, being consistent in the message, having the vision, but also um, caring about the individuals in, in, involved. It's, it's personal. In small businesses, also, you also have politics. It's interesting. Uh, probably quite a different level and actually some of the things that you think are not an issue become big issues right you know the coffee in the in the kitchen you know that that kind of stuff so you have to be mindful of uh, of these things but caring about people asking about how they are about you know recognizing they've got stuff going on at home and and, and stuff like this i think rather than dismissive and assuming they're robots to come and work in the, in, in the workplace that's important even more in the, in the small business context i think um, so yeah, it's just tr me trying to apply those things, but I, I, I think it's easy for businesses, in the, especially in the small business context, mm -hmm. to get so wrapped up True. in very operational things that it's important for them to see that, okay, this is in the context of where we're trying to go. And I think that that's helpful for everyone involved. Yeah, and Sam, that's it's it's a, it's a brilliant way you positioned it with the you know the the the, the C's and the accountability, and as you were describing. You know, I, I interact with a lot of, you know, small, medium businesses and startups or leaders who are trying to build their businesses and their mindset is very much within the product and 
you know, trying to build the company from that product perspective, lack of delegation, but also not very clear on the end goal as well. Yeah. And um, how you've described it and how you're actually bringing that to some of these businesses and building leaders is a big step because that itself is is helping them to not only bring that clarity one of the c's that you just described but actually the vision within themselves as to how they want to manage their business business and and, and reach their yeah their end goal as well yeah well one of the and it's you know that we all have gaps as well so you know i enjoy all of those things and i enjoy spending time on creating that communicating that being consistent with that that's and that's kind of like almost in my comfort zone but I also recognise that things like systems and process, the things I tend to shy away from because I don't either enjoy or not particularly good at. So it's not like you have the, the so you have to kind of fill in for some of those things and maybe get some external support to support some of those things. But I think coming back to the, the businesses as well is if you, what's, what's a, what we try and do with each business is we try and, and, and put like a simple framework in place to manage the business, which is like a, what I would describe like a best practice, not nothing rocket science, but a best practice, holistic framework to help each business manage. Because if I went into any organization and sat with the MD and let's say his two or three key managers, and I said, right guys, <clears throat> what's the vision for this business? Or in fact, write it down individually and give it to me. It would be very different and guarantee. What's the, uh, where do you see the business in terms of the size? Or where do you want to get to in terms of the size of the business in the next five years? And I've done this with one of them. Very different answers. Very different. And it's like, well, how, how, can, how can we possibly be driving in the same direction, which we know we're not, um, with, with a very different view about where the future is, right? So, what we try and do is, is also then drop into a simple framework to say one of those key parts is create a vision. And a vision for, for us is, you know, who are we? What's our values? Where are we headed? How, which game are we in? Where are we playing? And how are we going to win? And what does the future look like in terms of size in five years, 10 years? And then we bring that down to kind of one year um, view. Then we look at the people. Have we got the right people? Have we got the right people in the right seats? Yeah. The people display the values that we that we identify that are important to us because if not, it's not going to work long time long term. Have we got the right data? Um, are we looking at the right things? You know, the classic is well, we you know we, we do look at a PL. It's like well, a PL is only, is a kind of looking backwards. What, what are you looking at each week to say you're on track with these things? Because you want to make it more predictable going forward. Um, and then process as, as part of that. So we, we do sort of try and look at this little sort of framework for each business. And that's another big um, um, big win, I think, because businesses, they, they don't have that. They're, they're managing day-to-day, operationally, um, as they have done, not really clear on you know, where, where, they're, where they're going. Um, most processes sits in, in somebody's head. They're not looking at any sort of leading indicators. So the numbers might go up and down like this because there's no control of those, those numbers. Um, so that, that's where I think we can bring some um, some expertise. But you can't also be super corporate and say, let's do a 60-page strategy document uh, for a £5 million business. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So all that vision stuff, uh, values, uh, you know, we put on a, a two-page document. That's it, covering all of those aspects, where we want to be. You know, so it's very 
simplistic, but it's important to align everyone as well. And, and I think that's a useful process, but it takes time. Uh, it takes time in, in the business, but I think that's where we can bring some, some value. And I think that's, that's good practice as well. Excellent. Sam, what are the, uh, the important topics or trends on your mind these days that you feel might impact? I mean, like not only your businesses that you're, you're trying to build, but also just generally across the, uh, the ecosystem. Um, well, I think you've got obviously some key macro um, challenges out there at the moment, especially where inflation is at, which is an impact for everyone. It's been an impact for us. We have supply chain issues as well. And, and what we do, you know, we install um, a lot of, I don't know, whether it be um, heating systems or air conditioning systems, etc. So there's a supply chain at the back of that. That's been impacted by... Brexit, the pandemic, now the, the situation in, in Ukraine, inflation, you know, gone through the roof on raw materials. Some of the some of the component prices is are 20, 30, 40, 50% what they what they more than what they were a year ago. So there are some clear macro challenges that the industry and the wider economy, obviously, um, in different shapes or forms, has to address. And I think that's that's critical and that's caused us to really focus on certain key things to make sure certain key things are in place, renegotiating uh, contracts with customers to be more flexible about pricing and being more rigorous with our supply management and, and stuff like that. So I would say that, that that's kind of key. I think then you've got some other interesting things like, like the whole working from home dynamic, um, which in big corporate is clearly changed completely the way uh, people spend their time. Uh, I, I think probably I, I'm not a fan of working from home um, five days a week. I think it destroys the the culture of a, a business and, and ultimately will, will end in, in poor results. But I, I think, you know, there's there's obviously a hybrid there that will be going going forward. But in small businesses, typically they, they don't think about that as being feasible. So, you know, if you're office-based, you're office-based. There's no, there's no home working. Uh, in, a, in a very small, let's say traditional business, it might be different for technology driven businesses and stuff. So, but I see that starting to come. So you get new new joiners come and they're sort of asking that questions. So for us in a in small business, traditional business world, how we wrestle with that working from home piece, um, which is a bit of a, a lag on how the big corporates have, have been wrestling with that over the last uh, 12, uh, uh, 18 months. I see that as an, another interesting trend. Um, and then, and then a whole, the whole sort of climate piece, which has an impact on our industry, um, you know, the, the kind of get, getting to the government targets over time, what that means. And I, I, for me, that's one of the interesting things, because I think the more I learn about the industry, and I'm not an expert in it, uh, the more interesting, well, firstly, I had no idea that the impact on, you know, gas heating in homes is such a massive impact on the, on the environment. So... Mm -hmm. Mm. actually the more i learn about it the more interested i am in terms of how we can how we can be at the forefront of changing that and actually you know help facilitate that through but i, I just think all of that macro trend is useful for our industry because it means overall there'll be more focus on changing mm. uh, systems and, and products that are used which overall will mean more demand for the industry in the in the medium term so i think that's that's a positive thing but yes, yeah, so lots of interesting, I would say, dynamics, both from a macro and from a 
uh, industry perspective uh, over the coming couple of years. Yeah, those are definitely important, pertinent and relevant topics uh, for businesses and even at board level. Uh, you can't get away from these because they impact you as an individual, as a leader, as a business as well. And if you're not thinking about it, if you're not talking about it, having healthy debates about it and yeah. having that, you know, outlook, then, you know, your your business is, is, is not going to grow the way you expect it uh, to be growing. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's another, another you know, you can see these, these, um, the whole climate climate change also with, with the whole energy prices and the way they've been i know they've come up a little bit uh in the recent weeks but generally speaking the sky high energy prices put more pressure on that yeah what do we do what's the newer sources of energy you know how does all that play out um but i, I still think talking to small businesses and talking to owners of small businesses most businesses are still head down in terms of we do what we're doing we're operationally managing you know like this there isn't enough strategic thinking around, right, how do we accelerate some of the stuff here? And that's an, another opportunity, I think, for, for our group, because I think with a bit more strategic thinking, we can also acquire businesses that maybe piece together a jigsaw for us to be at the forefront of some of this stuff going forward. Um, because I think most small businesses in the sector are not necessarily very forward thinking about so what's happening and, and how they can be at the forefront and contribute to it. Yeah, it, it it is it is just that recognition and awareness of that wider ecosystem and really plugging in those interconnections mm -hmm. and helping. Um, so yeah, definitely you've hit the right spots there. Sam, tell us a little bit about you. You know what what does a day in the life of Sam look like? <laughs> uh, <Morning> <laughs> <tight>. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I mean, the good thing about what I do is is. You know, I wanted to like very be very conscious and intentional about where I spend my time and make sure that it's spending time where I, you know, where I enjoy. So I have a mixture of things. Um, if I'm going through um, uh, completing on a on a on a deal, which normally speaking will be somewhere in the process of completing on a deal, that depending on how close to the end that is, mm -hmm. uh, will will mean you know I'm spending a lot of time on those kind of legal or the contract stuff with the lawyers or the the the, the lender or, or you know, the seller and just kind of tying all of those things together, which takes more management. Um, but I also spend a lot of time um, sourcing new opportunities, talking to business owners uh, about the, the possibility of, uh, you know, wanting to, to exit or join the group as well as another option. Don't, don't sell, maybe just, or don't leave, but maybe join, join the group and there's a, another option. Um, but I also spend time in each of the businesses. So now we have three. I'll typically spend uh, not every week, but a day a week uh, in the three businesses. Um, so again, not every week. So probably half the time I'm in the businesses. Um, and again, it's not that I spend a full day and I spend a full day with with everyone because I can go and work from there as well. But we certainly have our weekly, um, let's say, management meetings around when I'm there. Um, we'll be looking at some of the key KPIs and uh, whether we're on track or, or not, and you know, where, how we can support those businesses. There's a really, it's a really nice combination. I also spend time, um, dedicate some time on development of the uh, of the key people in those businesses. So I, I like to do that. What, what one of the key one of the key things that is typical on the MDs that we that we have is they've come more from a technical route, i.e., from an engineer route. Mm -hmm. They don't have 
for example, an appreciation of the financials uh, or you know what, what that means. What does a balance sheet and cash flow look like, and what's why is it important? And you know, so I do spend some time trying to educate and develop them into, let's say, more rounded mm-hmm. um, MDs of the business as well. And that's something I I, I really really enjoy. Um, I also spend time facilitating uh some uh, networking groups um i uh work have some other um that are part of a mastermind that i sort of connect with uh with with, with other business owners on a, on a fairly regular basis so it's really quite quite varied but the good thing is you know it's really down to me so if i decide well today i actually want to spend some time with the kids because they're off then I'll do that. And that's that's the kind of beauty of, and that's one of the, the things that I wanted to tick the boxes. I'm not at the beck and call of the, the corporate that I have to be in meetings from, you know, 8.30 till 6.30 every, you know, solidly every day. Or I have to be on a plane in these places. It's kind of much more up to me now, which is which is nice. Yeah. Sam, what's the uh, the next big business or personal adventure for you? or Or are you already in it? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're at the early stages of something that could be really, really exciting. I think we've got the first group hire, which is the CFO role, um, which is a key role, could be my sort of key partner. So it'd be exciting when we have somebody at a group level because um, we haven't needed that until now. We've got three, the three uh, businesses. So that's going to be interesting. And then, and then looking for the next couple of deals. So we're really at the early stages, I would say. I'm not ready to kind of jump into another adventure right now. It's kind of yeah. building on what we've got uh, and, and trying to, to strike the right balance between bringing more companies on board and really sort of um, helping and supporting the businesses that we do have to, to excel. Uh, I think that's you know, the, 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 big, um, the big focus uh, for me and, and continuing to, um, to enjoy life but back in, uh, back in the UK. Wonderful. Sam, we're coming to a close. Um, any closing messages or challenge to other leaders you'd like to make here? <laughs> um, I would say um, maybe a couple of things. So um, firstly, again, if, if, if uh, part of my, what I enjoy and part of my purpose is around helping other people. So if there's anything that I can do, advice or, or sharing experience or or whatever it might be, then I'm more than happy to to be contacted to, uh, by anyone. That's that's number one. I, I think the importance, and I touched on it uh, earlier, around in, in creating that compelling vision as a, as a leader and, and actually trying to 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 be consistent and clearly communicate that in an ongoing way to to your teams, whatever whatever side, whether you're in a corporate, whether you're own your own business, whatever that might be. I think that's massively under underplayed and underserved. By leaders generally, and in my experience, you know, people think that well, they've kind of done that once and they've ticked that, and it's you. You have to be consistent with that, and I think there's a great opportunity to really energize people and motivate people um, to be part of that journey. Um, and I, th- I really encourage everyone to really sort of think about: Are they doing enough mm. in that uh, in that regard? Probably that's my sort of key other message. Wonderful. Sam, thank you very much uh, for your for, for being with us today and for providing your insights and sharing your journey. Thank you very much. No, real pleasure, Stephen. Thanks for having me again. Wonderful. Okay, folks, uh, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode where we hear from a leader who is a professional negotiator 
wonder what that is. So let's uh, stay tuned for that one and we'll hear more about it. Thank you and have a wonderful day.